This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. Join the conversation every Tuesday at 11 as we dissect issues that are important to you and your family. That's Relatively Speaking, Tuesdays only on MPB Think Radio. Okie dokie folks, welcome back. Horticulture Stelter Rushing here, and we're going to be talking about gardening. We've got the lines wide open right, right now, and Charles is our phone greeter. And uh, so if you want to give us a call, let's chat about stuff. Uh, I've been active on the Mississippi Gardening Facebook page lately, and I know a lot of folks have got questions about things. Uh, one lady wondered how, how can she tell when it's going to frost, and, you know, we just said just watch the weather. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of questions about what can still be planted? What should we do with things that we have in the ground? Uh, you know, sh- should I worry about covering anything up? What about pruning? So if you have any questions along those lines, I'm a retired extension horticulturist. I know some stuff. I worked at a garden center for years. I'm a gardener myself, and if if it can be killed, I've killed it at least twice. Uh, and when it comes to bugs and blights and stink bugs and, and borers and all that stuff, I got them too. So I'll tell you what I would do or what I would advise my son or my mother to do. So give us a call, won't you? Uh, meanwhile, uh, Abram is my awesome producer this morning. How are you doing this morning, sir, Abram? I am doing all right, Felder. How are you making it? So far, so good. Uh, had a blast last week uh, broadcasting live from the Chimneyville Arts and Crafts Festivals. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, two of the highlights, and you know, I always like little nuance, two of the highlights that I saw there, one was a holiday wreath made from a rolled-up green garden hose. It was rolled up nice and tight like a like a wreath, and it was festooned with baubles and ribbons. And, and also there was a lady who had a dog named Panda who had a green Gestalt Gardener bandana on that she said made Panda look <laughs> a little bit friendlier. Oh, that's so what I'm like, talking about. I yeah. I got to say, you know, these artistic people, like, you're describing a, a garden hose made into a wreath. I can't even picture that where it would look nice, but I believe you that it looked good. Well, it's one of those kind of bright green uh, garden hoses, and it was probably, I don't know, eight or ten loops, just like a wreath. It had, uh, uh, you know, stuff wrapped around it and just little clusters here and there of ribbons and Christmas balls and things like that. So anyway, I'm thinking, I want one of those for my truck. But the problem is I would leave it out year-round and probably festoon it with little miniature garden tools or something like that. So what's been up to? I've I've been doing uh, not much recently, kind of planning my own show next week, uh, getting that worked out, a lot of emails. Um, but uh, probably not as busy as flying to England and then <laughs> right, turning around and doing a show right afterwards. Yeah, well, you know, I did, uh, by the way, before I came here, let me mention this. Uh, last week, a uh, couple of my friends and what I call late-night pub mates, uh, let's call it Melissa and Julie, uh, they were talking about a friend from California, and I overheard them. And uh, they said that, that this girl was taking pictures of their fire ramp mounds, right? And uh, uh, one of them, I don't remember whether Julie or Melissa but she says a little insulting. First of all, they're ant beds, not fire ant mounds. And you don't make fun of a lady's fire ant bed. She said, oh, my God, it's like talking about a dirty toilet. So, so we have a, a new level of, of, of southern 
southern uh, whatever is proper to say and not say. You don't talk about a lady's fire ant beds. <laughs> and I guess that's I guess that's new southern hospitality, new courtesy. I guess I tell you, oh, yeah. I I woke up one day. Like, we didn't have anything in our yard. And I woke up, walked outside, and there's probably, like, a foot-long and six-inch-high fire ant bed outside of my house now. Yeah. They just pop up. Right, fire ant bed. That's right. What 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 happens, these things are tropical. And when it it rains, you know, they can't, you know, they're not submerged. They they build up to get away from the rain, their drainage. But also, when it's cold, they actually build their mouths up to collect solar heat. It's sort of like a little solar collector. It's kind of cool. Uh, and you mentioned that I was in England. Last week I took my, my Mississippi garden in for the winter. I left a fairly balmy Mississippi for my winter home in the north of England. I stepped off the plane into three inches of snow. Three Ooh. inches of snow, man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, My bottle trees here and my little gnomes, they're topped with fluffy white stuff, but but I, I have a lot of hardy succulents uh, in in pots and all. They're completely buried, but they're doing fine. They live both hot and dry in Mississippi, cold and wet, as long as the soil is well-drained. I see even growing on rock walls with no care. So um, if you folks are looking for a plant that's kind of interesting, there's a lot of variety. And I'm talking about things like sedums, uh, dwarf agaves, hens and chicks, the iris, prickly pear cactus. I've got some prickly pear cactus that are completely thornless. Yuccas, as I ate, Mamie used to say about her plants, them as can grow, will grow. And these grow without my having to water them or cover them up. Or Anyway, succulents are sort of a trendy thing. They've been around for a long time, but I just pull different kinds together into one pot so it looks like it's, it's really pretty good. Well, uh, according to Charles, we got a call from Biloxi uh, from Blake. Hey, Blake, good morning. Hi, good morning. Hey, I am trying to uh, grow Santa Rosa plums uh, down on the coast. Uh, my uh, plant, uh, I have two, and uh, one is doing good, the other one's not. Uh, I'm getting leaves, but I'm not uh, getting any promotion uh, as far as the fruit. Uh, do you have any uh, suggestions on what I can do to help promote it? Well, as a matter of fact, while you were talking, I was looking it up, uh here we go. Uh, Santa Rosa plums require 500 chill hours. Okay. Now, what that means is the amount of the temperature is below 45, but above freezing. Temperature, uh, refrigerated temperature, those are called chilling hours. And that's how fruit trees tell time when to flower. And if you have a pretty normal winter on the coast, you know, you should get three or four or 500 chill hours. So that might not be the problem. It might be that, that we've had the late freezes, which kill the flowers. Yeah. Uh, it it mm-hmm. might be that there's not any pollinators, or when the flowers are blooming, it's raining, so they can't get pollen. But it also might be that you haven't pruned the plant, and it's got more top than its roots can sustain. So only thing I would suggest, not much we can do about chill hours or late frosts or, or rains, but uh, if you could go out sometime this winter and thin out some of the, the clutter, some of the limbs, leave just a few okay. really strong limbs, and then remove the branches off of the limbs that are left, the ones that are growing in or maybe they're too close together. In other words, thin out the limbs and then thin out a few branches. This will really invigorate the tree and help it uh, do better with, with whatever weather throws it its way. Okay. Santa, Santa, yeah, Santa Rosa, it, it should do. I also don't know whether Santa Rosa is self-pollinating or not. Um, you know, some, some plums need 
Um, it needs more than, oh, I just read it, Santa Rosa parsley self-pollinator. It does better with a different variety like methylene or some other type of, of red plum nearby to help share pollen. So, anyway, do a little pruning. Think about maybe planting another different kind of plum tree uh, nearby, and let's just see what happens. Meanwhile, does it bloom okay? Is it pretty? Uh, yeah, the blooms of the uh, the uh, leaves are, you know, look uh, robust, but as uh, far as, uh, I guess, uh, promoting uh, a fruit, you know, it, it's not. Yeah, but did it flower okay? Yes, it flowered okay, but then uh, we had a little snap and the flowers fell off. Uh, that's probably what happened. That late frost, we always get it. People always act like it never happened before. That's going to be a risk with, with early blooming fruit trees, whether they're plums or peaches or, or uh, any of the, the, the trees that don't need a, they, they don't need a lot of cold in the winter. Sometimes they bloom too early and that late frost gets them. Not much we can do except just enjoy it for what it is and uh, hope occasionally you get some fruit. But anyway, thin it out. Okay. Thank you. You bet. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Bye. All right. And let's just slide right down uh, Interstate 10, a little bit to the west, go to Mandeville, Louisiana. Uh, talk with Peg. Good morning, Peg. How are you today? I'm good, Felder. How are you doing? So far, so good. Uh, the last question, I was able to look stuff up real quick while he was talking, so I feel smart. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> well, maybe well, they have to do the same thing with me. Um I have um, plenty of uh, ruella, the Mexican petunias, growing in my yard. And when this sort of white thing started getting on them, I looked up something and it said it was a mite. I don't know if it's a mite or not, but I cut them all back, and they're already sprouting up, and they're getting that again. So I don't know what to do. I, I've been growing uh, different kinds of Ruelia, uh Mexican petunias, uh, including some that aren't invasive, some smaller ones, and it, it, we even have a native one. I've been growing it for a long time. I've been watching a long time, but I've never seen anything like that. So I don't even want to guess on this. Um, f- first of all, where they grow naturally, you know, down in Mexico, they're evergreen. So it's normal if you cut them back to you know, try to put some new growth out, which might get damaged in the middle of the winter. But uh, all I would do is sometime in the middle of the winter – Go ahead and cut them back uh, just about to the ground. You cannot kill this plant by pruning. And if it comes back with that stuff on it, let's take it to your to your parish extension office and have them take a look at it because uh, mites, something just doesn't sound right with me about that. It might be spider mites. It might be, uh, I, I don't know. I can't even guess. But uh, your parish no, extension, what's that? It, I'm, yeah, I was just saying it's it's all over the neighborhood. It's not just me. I see it well, on many plants and it's not oh, like uh, fuzzy or anything it's just a white streak in in and in, in bleeds yeah, on plants other than the mexican petunia or no, just the mexican no, petunias just the mexican which of course i thought was odd because whatever it is whether it's a bug or a fungus or whatever i thought well, it would spread and well only it, on it, it, well, somebody who's trained in plant pathology, entomology, could really quickly tell if it's an insect or a disease or a mite or, or something like that because they have certain characteristics. But if it's all over, 
I pretty well guarantee that the extension is familiar with it. So give them a call. Uh, if they don't know, they can get in touch with, you know, with, with their specialists. And let's find out what it is before we decide what to do about it. But I'm, I'm, I've never seen it before, and I want to find out. And maybe somebody listening can call in and help us both out. But uh, extension yeah, service is the first place to go. Okay, because I've never seen it before either, and I've had these plants for many, many decades, and they just oh, started doing it. So. Okay. Peg, if I could, if I could tell you, Peg, how many times I've seen something I've never seen before that was right in front of me, I just don't. But, but the the it, in the United States, the number one go-to problem solver with plants is extension service because they got all sorts of resources. And uh, if there's something that's spreading, we want to, we need to know about it and let other folks know about it. So anyway, let's let, let's start with the extension service. Unless you can take a really good, clear picture of it uh, and send it to me. Uh, I, I just can't guess. I'm just not that right, right. No, I just thought cutting back, you know, you cut it back as Don't far know. as you can and it wouldn't come back, but nope, oh, that didn't do okay. it. Okay, the one All thing right. that I'm absolutely sure, the two things I'm sure of, first of all, extension service can help, and second of all, I, I, I'm really sure I don't know. I just don't have a clue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's, let's find, and, and when you find out, let, let me know. Okay. I uh, sure will. And I also okay. have saved those seeds from a, the um, the snow on the mountain llamas, and I need to send those to you. Uh, that, that would be great. That would be terrific. I'd appreciate it. Yeah. All righty, lady. Well, good luck. Let me know what, what it turns out to be. Okay, thanks. You bet. Horticulturists fell to rushing. Um, never have heard of any kind of pest on the Mexican petunia, Ruelia Bretonica. There's a, we have a native one. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some kind of little insect or even disease or virus. I, I just don't know. And I'm really good at being an expert who can say, I don't know. And we'll try to find out. But again, I would like to encourage you, if you have problems with your garden or your lawn or trees or shrubs or identification, uh, your local extension office uh, has a, an agriculture agent, home, econ- home economic home economist, uh, 4-H youth agent, but they're part, and they may not be up on everything about gardening, but they're tapped into a system where we have local, regional, and statewide specialists who only specialize in certain things. So if you have questions, uh, see if you can stump them. Uh, if, and if they don't know, ask them to find out. There's a really cool system out there, whether it's in Louisiana, well, anywhere in the country, anywhere. Um, by the way, tomorrow I'm headed to a nearby town. You may have heard of a town called Liverpool. I'm not very far from Liverpool. Um, where they're going to have a their holiday, their annual holiday tractor parade. <laughs> okay, that yeah, that sounds like something that would go well in Mississippi. I, I wonder why do we do all these all these towns and villages? They have Christmas parades and they fix up their tractors. I'm talking about whether it's Massey Ferguson or John Deere or, or whatever, they, they pick them up with uh, uh, holiday lights and swag and baubles and glitter. And they just, you know, it, it's just a, it's a, an incredible way to celebrate agriculture in communities depend on it. So anyway, I'm going to Liverpool to see there. They have a big one. And I missed the one last weekend in my little village. So I want, would a, a Christmas or holiday tractor parade, would that work in Clarksdale or uh, Hattiesburg? I, I definitely <laughs> think it would. I think it would. I, I would love to hop on one of those. Or if nothing else, a riding lawnmower parade. 
<laughs> oh, beautiful idea. Yep. We'll, you know, we'll get my, that worked out next year. There you go. Well, let me know if we get a caller. Uh, because, uh, otherwise, I'm going to just yak about stuff. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, we've, we've got Roy in Memphis right now. Roy saved us for what I was about to say. Roy, what's going on in Memphis? <laughs> hey, Felder. Uh, Howdy. I got a question. I've got a, a mulberry tree, only about seven foot. I've had it two seasons. And it gets a virus, it looks like. Every year, I've tried a bunch of stuff to try to stop it. And it's nothing its growth. I'm not getting flowers, not getting fruit. I just wonder if you had any ideas on that. Uh, no, I, I don't. And mulberries should do perfectly fine. Matter of fact, I was at the uh, the Cooper Young Garden, uh, uh, the neighborhood garden. I don't know what you call it. They, they open their open house day for gardens, and there's some really cool golden ones. They got got really pretty yellow foliage. They should do fine. Um, what they do places where mulberries are grown for fruit. Um, like in England, they're pruned back every year. Sort of like you see how people prune crepe myrtles with the it look like fists on the end of sticks. Uh, but mulberries are pruned pretty hard every year, and they put out new growth and bloom without new growth. So it wouldn't hurt to cut the tree back, you know, unless that would deform it. If you're growing it just for the shape of it, I wouldn't do this. But I don't have any idea why a mulberry wouldn't fruit in yeah, there. I, no idea. It should do fine. Hmm. Yeah, it's some kind yeah. of, you know, the yellow and brown spots on the leaves, and by the end of well, the summer, the leaves are gone. Yeah, well, you know, it might even be related to the kind of fungus that does that to, to maple trees and even fig trees. Uh, and, you know, we have a lot of leaf spot fungi in our hot, humid climate where it's really, really warm and humid. Um, spores splash from leaf to leaf, and you can get some pretty serious leaf spots mid to late summer and into the fall on a lot of hydrangeas. Are, but there's not anything, not anything practical you can do about that. Uh, in, in order to control fungal diseases, uh, um, if you have an insect, you can spray it, and the insecticide kills the insect. can't do that with fungus. Fungicides are like a protective film. You put it out when you first see it to keep it from spreading. It's like putting, a, uh, it's like putting sunscreen on. Doesn't do any good after you got a sunburn. You got to put it on to prevent sunburn. So it's not practical to spray a mulberry tree. But uh, again, I just I, I just don't know. I've got a really good friend over in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, she just retired at Extension Horticulture, named Carol Reese. Um, and I, matter of fact, I got an email from her a little bit uh, 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 an hour or so ago. I'll email her and see if she knows anything about that. But other than that, I, I just don't know. Don't know. All righty. Well, we're we're in the same boat on this one. Yeah, well, but, uh, thank you. The, well, but but the, the the important thing is we are in the same boat, and I've got resources. So let's see. I'm gonna do a little follow up. You might have to tune in next week. Uh, you know, cause I don't know how to get in touch with it otherwise. But I'll see what Carol has to say because she's really familiar with this sort of thing, and and I'm just sort of familiar. All right, I'll send you an email just to make sure in oh. case I miss the program next week. Oh, yeah, yeah, you do that. It'd be perfect. Send it to Felder. Go to FelderRushing.blog. It's got a little arrow that says email me, FelderRushing.blog, and email me. With, and that way we'll both learn stuff, and I'll share it next week. Great. All right, thank you. All right, appreciate it. 
You know, so, Felder, uh, I, I got to say, I think uh, the the title of today's podcast is going to be the one thing I know for sure is that I'm not sure. No, 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 no. One thing I'm sure is when I don't know. It's when I'm I don't really sure know. About, okay, that's yeah, what it will be. No, no. If, if not sure is not definitive enough. If I don't know, I don't know. And by, by the way, uh, I'm doing a little something special. This is kind of um, a fun thing for me. My granddaughter just turned um, tomorrow. No, in two days, she's going to turn three years old. And I've been playing with her in the garden. I've got pictures of me and her picking little English peas and planting lettuce and digging in the herb garden and, you know, uh, looking at bugs and stuff. And I decided for her first real Christmas present for me, holiday present, I'm going to make her a book. I'm working on it this weekend with pictures of her in the garden. And some of the things that I know she does, I'm going to make it. It's called uh, Allie's First Garden Book. And uh, I'm going to do her. And I might even do something every year. You know, when she's a teenager, she might think it's creepy. But I'm thinking about do it, just doing, putting together pictures and a little story of Allie and her garden. That's the kind of thing that when she's, when she's old and gray, she's going to remember me for. I like that. I think that's charming. I think that's very, very kind of you, Felder. Well, it's also it's also easy and cheap and, <laughs> and unique. Hey, I see where a pig from Mandeville called back in. Uh-oh. We, we actually off. lost her. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Uh, let's go down to uh, well, let's, Central Mississippi to Madison, see what John's up to. Good morning, John. Thank you for calling. What's up? Good morning, sir. How you doing? So far, so good. Not so bad. I got a question. Uh, I get two lime trees or lemon trees. Uh, they're about six years old, and uh, they never bloom. They're full of bones with very little, tiny, thin leaves. Huh. Um, these, these are in pots, right? You keep them in containers, bring them in when it gets cold? Actually, they're, they're on the ground. They've been there. I mean, they're, like, they're big. They're like six, seven feet tall. And these are these are uh, citrus trees. The reason I'm asking because they usually, with rare exceptions, I mean rare exceptions, tens of thousands of people have tried. Rarely do they survive north of around Hattiesburg. Now, that's that's just based on on historic evidence. So, uh, if yours made it through last winter, they were outside. The fact that they're still alive at all is just a miracle. But uh, to, to what would cause them to have little thin, strap-shaped leaves? Unless you're using a, a, a herbicide, a weed killer out there on your lawn, the only other thing that can really cause strappy, thin, narrow leaves like that uh, would be a viral infection. But let me ask you this. Do, the, do your trees, do they have, are the leaves single leaves or do they have leaves with three leaflets per leaf? Do you know? It's just little, little leaves. Um... They, I mean, they get green. I mean, they turn green, but it's just, they're full of thorns. I've never seen anything like that. Oh, it got a lot of thorns? A lot. Okay, here's, here's, here's what's happened. And, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not, this is really common. People plant citrus trees north of the coast. Sometimes they make it for a while. Sometimes the part, the top part, the lemon or the lime part dies and what they're, they're grafted onto a rootstock of a, of a of a hardier citrus doesn't make good citrus, but it's a really good root. So they graft these trees. And if you plant one in central or north Mississippi, um, if the top part freezes, the grafted part, the root sprouts out, 
And the rootstock is a thing called trifoliate orange, and they've got a lot of thorns. And the leaves, instead of being shaped like the like your like your hand, like the palm of your hand, each leaf has got three leaflets, which would make it look like it's got smaller leaves. So I think what's happened is your is your your lemon your lime has died, and the rootstock has sprouted out. And that'd be what they call um, well, it's called trifoliate orange. It's not really an orange, but it's a separate kind of citrus, but they're really, really thorny, and they grow outside even up in, in Tennessee. So I think what's happened is your, your regular fruit died, the rootstock sprouted out, and that's what you get. I have one in my front yard that I grow as an ornament because it's pretty, uh, and it can bloom. Uh, and, but the fruits are about the size of a golf ball, and they're slightly, they're not smooth. They're almost like they're slightly furry. Uh, but anyway, I think what's happened is the top part, the, the part that you want, is frozen, and the rootstock, the tr- hardy orange, the trifoliate orange, has sprouted out. That's what's mo- that's what usually happens. I'd be surprised if that's mm-hmm. what happened with yours. Anything can be done, or do I need to just get them out? Well, the, the, you know, it follow, fo- you know, follow the the stem, you know, follow the trunk of it down, and if it sprouts down close to the ground then that's exactly what's happened. They're not going to produce anything except these little small, seedy, really sour fruit. I grow it as an ornamental, but, you know, if you don't want it just because it's pretty, if you want it because you're trying to grow citrus, it just ain't going to happen. You've got to keep these plants in pots, keep them pruned into small bushes, and bring them in when it freezes. And that's about the only way most people can grow citrus north of the Gulf Coast. Oh, Yeah. Thank you, Thank you, uh, for, for what it's worth, there's a lot of people who grow uh, lemons and limes and, and grapefruit. They grow them in big pots in central Mississippi. They just drag mm-hmm. them into the garage when it gets cold. So you, you can do that if you want these. There's also a, a, a citrus called kumquat. I don't know if you've heard of kumquat. It starts with a K. Really, really productive, small, edible. They're like little oranges. You can eat them uh, uh, skin and all. Kumquats are pretty they're heavily productive, and they grow really well in pots. A lot easier to drag in and out. So you might want to think about finding a kumquat tree and put it in a pot. That way you can have them uh, the best you can. But it starts with a K, kumquat. Kum, kumquat? Yeah, K-U-M-Q-U-A-T. K- okay, K-U-M-Q-U-A-T, kumquat. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Okay, good, good luck on it. Uh, so what do y'all think, folks? Did I nail that one? I'm not sure. But shit, that, that sounded like some good detective work on that one, Felder. Well, you know, this is something everybody wants to grow cherry trees this far south, and they rarely ever do because they grow in, like, Michigan. We want to grow citrus, which sometimes freeze in Florida. Uh, so we're sort of caught in the middle, and all the time people want to grow different kind of fruit. Wherever you are anywhere in the world, you need to find out first what type of fruit grow well in your area and then what varieties of each type, because not all varieties do well. So, you know, I, I teach, uh, I wrote the, the fruit, the Growing Fruit in Mississippi book, Study Fruit Science. I was raised in an orchard. And for 40 years, I've been looking at people trying to grow things that don't want to grow in Mississippi. So that's, it's not that much sleuthing, but I bet that's what happened. You know, Felder, you're talking about this like you literally wrote a book and stuff on it. Like you're, you're quite the uh, experienced person. Meanwhile, I, uh, I to give an example of my amateur 
uh, gardening experience. When we moved in here to my house, when we moved down here in May, we had uh, blooming roses in the backyard. They were beautiful. And uh, then they died off in the summer during the drought and stuff. And then they bloomed again this past fall. And I did not know that some roses bloom twice in a year. Yeah, some bloom nonstop. A lot of them just bloom once. A lot of the old-fashioned ones. But and, and this is a really stupid thing to know. But in the 1860s was when the very first ever hybrid tea rose was produced. But back in the early, uh, the late 1700s, they discovered a rose growing in China. Back when Europeans first started bringing plants out of China, they found one, and its name is Old Blush. That's the name of it, Old Blush. And it was a repeat bloomer. It blooms all the time. They brought it back and started breeding other roses. All the modern repeat ever-blooming roses are descended from that one called Old Blush, which still grows well in the cemetery in Jackson, Mississippi. So it's just oddballs. But to answer your question, I've written 30-something books. But oh I can't remember all. But I can't remember all that stuff. I can't remember. <laughs> I've, I've got you two young to remember the early computers. I had a Radio Shack Tandy One Thousand. You couldn't even cut and paste. You know, you could only write twenty five characters at a time. That's what I got in my head. Hey, by the way, I want you to look something up while while we uh, while, while we're doing stuff. It's a cool word. You you want, can you can you write this word down? You got something right Yeah, here? give it to me. Give it to me. Okay. Z-H-U-Z-H. Z-U, excuse me, Z-H-U-Z-H. I saw this in the Oxford Eagle, Oxford, Mississippi, up in Lafayette County. They have a, 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 a really cool newspaper. They wrote an article and talked about, and, and they use this word, Z-H-U-Z-H. And uh, I'm thinking, <laughs> this is a cool word. It's pronounced Zusa. I think, but I didn't write down what it meant. I just, I just sort of m- remember, sort of like dolling stuff up, fixing stuff up, adding stuff up. So anyway, if you can look that word up, I know how you young people are with your computers and handheld. Uh, I am quick with the Google. I'll tell you what. I'll look it up, and then we will go to Michael in Hattiesburg. In the meantime, okay. <laughs> Michael, what's going on, man? Good morning. I was calling to find out about. Uh, when would be the right time to move a rose bush that's been in place for about 25 years and it's going to be going from partial sun to full sun, if that makes any difference? Yeah, well, it doesn't make any difference. to the. It'll make a lot of difference. The rose will grow a whole lot better. A couple of things. And keep in mind, I have, re- I have moved countless, countless roses. When you have an old shrub of any kind, whether it's a rose or a zero or whatever, it's hard to move an old rose because... They've gotten kind of woody and corky, and they're grouchy, and they just don't like to be moved. And when you move a rose, you're only able to move a couple of feet of roots. And so the main roots, the ones that do all the work, are left behind. So it's real important that when you move it, that you prune it way back. Luckily, roses are pruned really hard worldwide. They're pruned really hard every winter. So if you're going to move it, go ahead and dig the hole first and dig it wider than you think. You don't feel a little stupid. It's not wide enough, right? Okay. And then, and then when you move it, before you move it, cut it back to just a, a foot and a half, two feet tall, to just stumps. Okay. It, it will not hurt the plant. They're, they're pruned like this every year all over the world. And then move it, and next spring, when it, it'll have already put out some roots, by the time it sprouts out, it won't know it's been moved. So now is the right time, or should I wait a little bit later in winter? Uh, I'd, I'd start digging on the hole now. 
you know, because it's easier now and, and it's not going to be as easy in the wintertime. But uh, the best time to move would probably be uh, later this month, January, February. Those are good months to, to, to move plants. Uh, and also, that's a good time to make cuttings. You can root pieces that are smaller than, if, you, if you're young enough to remember what a pencil is, it's smaller than a pencil. Not that real weeny stuff on the end or the big thick stuff, but stuff that's about uh, up to about the size of a pencil and length of diameter. You can root those cuttings in the wintertime like ringing a bell. So if you cut it back, try rooting some of the cuttings too. Okay. Thank you, sir. You have a good weekend. Uh, okay. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks for asking me something I knew. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bring it on, Abram. What does Zuza mean? Uh, the Bing translation thing, I think that it's saying that it's pronounced Zhuzh or something, something along those I, lines. I can barely spell it. Z h u z h. It's yeah, that's right. That's what it is. It means to make something more stylish, lively, or attractive. <laughs> and I'll tell you the uh, the the example sentence that it's got says the bag is a cool but economical way to zhuzh up many an outfit. Uh, so I don't know if that like helps a, you, but well, a bag meaning like a purse, right? I'm guessing so. Yeah. Well, see, the reason I found out about this because I've written an article about what do we do next month? You know, for the past three months, we've had Halloween stuff out there, we've had Thanksgiving stuff, we got all sorts of holiday things out there. But next month, it's going to be a bunch of deflated, flaccid, inflatable Santas laying across people's lawns, and there's nothing out there in January to zooza up the garden. <laughs> So that's when a gazing ball or a spray-painted bowling ball or a gnome or some flamingos or a bottle tree, something to add a little little holiday spirit year-round, not just for the holidays. And uh, Oxford Eagle came up with that word, Zuza up the garden. <laughs> now, Felder, Kevin came in here and told me he thinks it's pronounced zhuzh. 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 And I like the way that sounds better. That makes more sense to me. And coincidentally, that's exactly the sound I made when I slipped on the ice day before yesterday. <laughs> Please tell me you didn't actually do that. Of course I did. Oh, no. But, look, but, but luckily, I went zhuzh, and it didn't hurt. <laughs> uh, let's go down to uh, – uh, let's talk, let's talk to, to John. John's calling from Pearl. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning. Howdy. What's up? Okay. I planted an oak tree when I moved into my house about six years ago, yeah. uh, I, I'm afraid it's going to get the roots into my uh, sewer line. So I was wondering if it was possible to relocate it or if I just had to chop it down. Well, I, I my family had a tree nursery. We grew trees in pots. We grew them out in, in, in fields and in rows and hand dug them. And I've dug trees that I couldn't put both my hands around the trunk. Not easy, though. It's not easy on you. It's not easy on the tree. Um, so if you're going to do it, keep in mind you can only move a root ball that, that won't break. If you break the root ball, the tree will die. So you can only move a root ball that you can barely put your arms around. That's going to leave most of those roots which are way out there behind. So it's going to be tough on the tree. If you do that, go in and thin out some of the limbs on it. You know, because you don't need a whole bunch of limbs on a, on a big tree. So go ahead and thin them out, maybe as much as a fourth or a third of Don't leave stubs. Just cut some of the limbs completely out, and then cut some of the branches off the limbs that are left. And then it'll be easier to move and it'll be more likely to survive. 
That's best done sometime from now until oh mid to late February when when the tree's dormant. It's not easy to do, not always successful. So I would suggest uh, just go in and just kiss them goodbye. Or cutting them back and putting <laughs> bottles on the branch. I, I'm serious about this. You know, this is a this yeah. is a re- really c- common problem. Um, by the way, is your sewer line, is your house, is it fairly new? Is the sewer line, is it PVC or is it old? Uh, no, it's you know, an older person. house built in 1974. But uh, we bought the house six years ago, and I, I planted it. And so I was hoping I could keep it kind of like as a, you know, a memory of when we first moved there. But, I mean, yeah, it's not yeah, that big yeah. a deal, but, you know. That's a tough one, but you know, if your sewer line was was uh, if if it was PVC, there's a good chance that the roots wouldn't get into it. They can, but it's less likely. But not, it's not much practical. You knew about this. At the same time, John, keep in mind that tree roots. If you stick your finger, your arms straight out, and wiggle your fingers, that's where tree roots are, and they can be sometimes twice as far from the tree from the trunk as the tree is tall. So anywhere you plant some trees, oh. there's a chance you're going to get in your sewer line. I'm just saying. I see. So, yeah, well, I didn't one, know where the sewer line was until about uh, maybe a year ago. Or else I wouldn't have planted it there. Um, so yeah. How, how close is, is it? How close is um, it? It's probably about 15 feet. Yeah, it's pretty the close. Tree is, you know? The tree's probably about, I don't know, six, seven foot tall. Uh, well, as a six, seven foot tall, I, you know, you could you could probably move that no problem at all. I would still thin out some of the limbs and then some of the branches. Don't leave stubs, mm-hmm. and you can move a tree that's that that's that big. Uh, I go in and dig the hole you're going to move it to first, and keep in mind when you when you move it, if you break the root ball, and trust right. me, this is from experience, the tree may not make it. So only try to get a root ball that's maybe bushel basket size. That's not very big. I see. Yeah, I got you. All right. Well, I appreciate hey, it. Hey, if you if you, let me give you a real real quick tip. This is a real quick tip. Uh, and I've moved countless trees and shrubs as big as me. Did this for a living for a long time. The way you dig a tree, decide how big a root ball you can move. Which to me is about a bushel basket, a little bit bigger. And what you do is you take your shovel and you cut straight down in a circle all the way around it, crunch through those roots, right. and then go outside there and make a second cut a few inches outside it. And then dig out in between the two so the tree root ball is standing up in like a trench. Then you can take your shovel you. and, and cut it in an angle because you dug a trench, cut all the way around, cut it in an angle, and you rock the tree back and forth, cutting so you cut all the roots with the tree standing still. That way you can roll up a towel, roll it up under it, and pick it. You, you and somebody else can pick it up by the towel and move it without breaking a root ball. But but dig a okay. trench around it. Straight down, and then cut up under it. Cut all the roots before you lift it out, and that's the way we do it professionally. All right, great. I appreciate that. So, uh, and, okay. and you think if I did it any time between now and uh, when did you say? Uh, you know, sometime late December, January, February. Well, the, after the tree drops its leaves, before it puts on new leaves. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, appreciate it. Good luck on it, man. Appreciate it. Okay, now let's go to Richston. Talk with Roger. Morning, Roger. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Thank you. Appreciate it. What's up? I got a question for you concerning rooting cypress. I uh, read recently that you can root those fairly easily. My my question mm-hmm. is, which uh, uh, live material should I prune off my other cypress trees to root, and how long should it be? Any other particulars? What kind of uh, what size pot should it be? And is it okay? 
if, if I do bare root once I get them uh, up, a, you know, a reasonable size to, to plant just for ease of planting because I want to do several of them. Yeah, now keep in mind, I've never rooted uh, a cypress because, it, you know, they're just so quick from seed. Um, but what you want to do is, is take cuttings that are, oh, six, seven, eight inches long, okay, from a healthy branch, semi-hardwood, which is kind of like in the, the, the late spring or early summer when the new growth comes out, kind of hardens off. That's when the rooting hormones are at the highest, you know, so not so much. You can try rooting at this time of year, uh, but probably the best time would be new growth, toughened up late spring before summertime. And uh, and they root pretty easily, especially if you take a, a branch off, a small branch, and get a little piece of where it's hooked to the older branch. It's called a, a heel, uh, just a little bit of that. They tend to have higher concentration of rooting. So for, uh, about the size of a pencil, you could try it over the wintertime. You could try it in the late spring or early summer when new growth is toughened up. Uh, any size pot that you can keep moist but doesn't stay wet, Maybe make a little greenhouse out of a cola bottle with the bottom cut off and the top thrown away to let steam out. But little little greenhouse type thing, uh, not too big a pot. Don't keep it wet. It's straight rooting. It's just like rooting anything else. Okay, and should I wait till it uh, pretty much fills my pot with roots before I transplant? Uh, no, you can. I mean, you no. As soon as it's got some roots, you can you can transplant it. So, you okay. know, or you can leave it in a pot for two years if you want to. The main thing is don't keep it too wet and don't let it get yep. really, really dry, just like any kind of gotcha. potted plant. Great, great news. All right, thanks a bunch. Okay, good luck on it. You know, I didn't, I didn't get into stuff like rooting hormones or rooting powders and willow water and stuff like that. There's a lot that you can know about rooting plants. I can't I help teach the plant propagation course in Mississippi State, but I can't remember all the nuances uh, and all the details. So I have to look stuff up. And uh, so when it comes to cypress, I'm assuming he's talking about bald cypress. He may have been talking about Leyland cypress. I don't know. So anyway, if you have questions during the week, Google them or send me an email. Go to felderrushing.blog or else just call your county extension office. And if they don't know, ask them to find out for you, because sometimes they got other things on their mind and just get shuffled off. They have a whole system of people backing up everybody in your local county or parish office. So anyway, don't know it all. Don't wish I knew it all. Wish I didn't know some of the stuff I do know. Uh, I do know that it's a holiday season. People out and about, dark. It's kind of dreary. It might rain tomorrow. But don't let that get you spirits down. There's holiday plants, there's poinsettias, there's Christmas cactus, there's so many. There's uh, daffodil, paper whites you can grow, amaryllis. There's so much you can do in the wintertime this time of year. If nothing else, get an old garden hose, roll it up, put some dangly balls around it, call it a Christmas wreath if you want to. But anyway, horticulture spell the Russian here. Me and all the other folks at MPV, we're glad you tuned in. If you want to uh, tune in during the podcast during the week, anytime, mpbonline.org. If you get a chance, uh, not many farmers' markets going. It might be still, but take a kid to a garden center. Help them pick out a pot full of stuff, some pans or something. Show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 